This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. I'm Liz, the Chief Mom Officer, and when I'm not busy being the breadwinner of my family of five, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I am all sugared up from trick-or-treating, but since it's National Vegan Day, let's just say this is a meat-free podcast today. Speaking of meat... What if our financial problems aren't just about the meat of this show, money, but instead, they're about us? On today's show, let's say hello to the three vegan-friendly ingredients. First, let's welcome the host of the Afford Anything podcast, Paula Pant. And all the way from Arlen, Texas, it's Hank Hill. (laughs) Hank's busy playing King of the Hill. It's just Len Penzo. And finally, from this podcast, it's our very own OG. But that's not all. There's no substitute for our Friday FinTech segment, so we'll bring Michael from Resolve down to the basement and learn about paying down debt more quickly. And lastly, we'll magnify someone's money with a delicious plant-based financial problem. And now, a guy who gave out bags of trail mix instead of candy for Halloween. Yeah, he's that guy. Joe Salcija. I don't want that stuff ruining kids' teeth. I'm going to be the savior of the neighborhood. Every parent in the neighborhood is going to love me. That is, if the kids don't TP my house before we, before the month is over. Hey, everybody! Welcome to November. I'm Joe Salcija. I average Joe money on Twitter, and uh, the other guy here across the table from me. Also celebrating November, it's my good friend, OG. Do you still make up excuses to eat all the Halloween candy? 
yeah, like this isn't good for you or. Yeah. Or like, there's probably a good chance this was poisoned. I should have this one. <laughs> you, you'll be the canary. Let, let me try it first. Yes. I'll just take one bite. Oh, I only need all of your Milky Ways. I love that Jeff Garland joke about fun size candies. He's like, those aren't fun size. Those are frustrating size. Fun size exactly. is like the, like the whole, the whole thing. So you get a lot of trick or treaters. It kind of ebbs and flows. It really depends on how the weather is and that sort of thing. We could get a load of people or none. So, well, the woman uh, with us today is short enough. She could pretend she's a trick or treater if she wanted to. I believe hanging out with us in, uh, in in Las Vegas. It's our friend Paula Pant. I bet I totally could. I haven't uh, tried trick or treating in a long time, but. Yeah, I might I might be able to pass for like a tall kid, five yeah, foot one. Yeah, they might look at you just for a second before they, they put the candy in. <laughs> I, I guess it depends on whether or not I'm wearing a mask that would completely cover my face. Because I'm sure like, you know, my face would give it away. Yes, but, yes. But with the right costuming, I might be able to pull it off. They're, I, Free candy for life. How about that? I like yeah. There are so, benefits to being five one, Paula. Absolutely. Also, airplanes are more comfortable when you're 5'1". Don't talk to me about that. Don't hold that over my head. I got to go for the exit row. And the guy who's always on the exit row, he's got an exit plan. He's got the back hatch from his bunker deep below Los Angeles. It's our friend Lempenzo. Yeah, you know, not a lot of kids stopped by the bunker this year. And I'll tell you why. Something, something died in there a couple days ago. And let me tell you, it it reeks. You ever, you ever have, you know, like something die in your garage or, or in your house and you're trying to figure out where the heck the thing is? Yes. I've never had anything die in your house. Have you? Oh my God. <laughs> it's not a normal activity that happens. I don't think. Oh, well, we have mice and rats and all that good stuff. Oh, I a lady pigeon. died in my house one time. You know, <laughs> that was terrible smell for that's, weeks. That's, don't forget to disclose that, by the way, when you sell. Exactly. <laughs> that the lady died in your house? Yeah. Her social security check was much appreciated for the next six months. That is horrible. <laughs> See, man, I'd let that thing go for a long time, you know, longer than six months. If it were the day yeah. after Halloween, none of those jokes would be funny. It <laughs> <laughs> would be absolutely horrible. But today they seem appropriate. Len's like, something died in there. <laughs> and, we, <laughs> and I'm not going in there to try to. Well, it really did. Something has died and I don't know what it is. And I, you know, I have some big things down in that bunker that are too heavy to move. And so I'm not, I'm just going to wait until the smell clears. So I don't know how long that takes. Was that a good week, two weeks? Not to derail a conversation that's already been derailed, <laughs> but, but, but about three years ago, my dad noticed a skunk outside of uh, the house as we had all gathered for the holiday season. And on Christmas Eve, my dad takes out his gun and decides he's going to shoot it. And we ended up having Christmas at my sister's house that year because the entire house smelled like skunk because, uh, well, did you roast it? Did, how did it taste? That's what I want to know. That's, like chicken or that's what we all, that's what we all want to know. Well, I'm not sure how it tasted, but I do know how it smelled. And if you want the biggest assortment of smells, Head down to the farm. Today's show is sponsored by Acre Trader. Huh? <laughs> For more information on how to become a farmland investor, not a farmer, but a farmland investor through Acre Trader, visit acretrader.com forward slash SB. And thanks also to Cabbage. For supporting Stacking Benjamins, get the money you need to run your small business at cabbage.com and use the code SB to get a $100 credit on your first loan statement. Offer ends November 30th. Must take a $5,000 loan to qualify. Terms and conditions 
Apply. $100 credit, Len. A Benjamin. We got a great show today. We got Len, Paula, OG, talking about skunks. We're off and running already. Let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. A couple weeks ago, we had a guest, my friend R.L. Graham, read the piece before we talked about it. Today, from the Military Money Show, our friend Lacey Langford is going to read today's blog post that we're going to talk about. You can't really manage money or anything else until you can manage yourself. A blog post by Alyssa Kirkham. I need to cut back on everything, I repeated under my breath. It was mid-2017, and this phrase was becoming something of a litany for me. I felt intensely overwhelmed and behind in every area of life. Work, parenting, friends, marriage, household management. Almost daily, I muttered those words to myself or declared them loudly to my husband. I did so with the conviction that I'd identified the core of my problem. I was doing and buying too much. I'll cut back on everything. I just need things to work. It became almost a prayer to the productivity gods. It was my bargaining chip, my willingness to sacrifice many things to get what I was desperate for, a functional life. Does hard work really solve all problems? If I cut back, I reasoned, I could free up time, money, and mental space to tackle the ever-towering pile of tasks that always lay ahead. In the crosshairs of my slash-and-burn approach was anything I didn't view as a core responsibility, a necessity of life. Whether it was how I spent time or money, I canceled all of our entertainment subscriptions, determined not to waste any time or money on mindless TV. I stopped accepting invitations to hang out with friends, arrange a play date, or see family on the weekend. I couldn't afford to socialize when I was so far behind. I didn't make time to work out, to journal, to really even get enough sleep. There was simply too much to do. One by one, I disallowed myself any form of idleness or self-indulgence. And then I waited. Waited for the clouds to part, the stress to lift, the ever-moving finish line of being caught up to arrive, facing the deep cost of cutting back and overwork. Instead, stress continued to pile up until I collapsed under its weight. It was like I had been running a marathon while refusing to pace myself, to grab a drink of water, to adjust my approach if I hit a hill. Of course, I wore myself out. Of course, I hit a wall of no for my body and my mind. It was a self-preservation measure I couldn't push past, though I tried my damnedest. The well of motivation, the panic that had fueled my frantic efforts to catch up, had run dry. I couldn't seem to make myself care enough to work on, well, anything in a meaningful way. I had been too convinced of my approach to be flexible, too rushed to feel I could afford to slow down and get my bearings. Yet that's exactly what I needed to do, and what the wall of no forced me to do. As I grounded to a halt, all the things that had been blurred by my hurried pace came into focus. I saw this overwork for what it was, my last-ditch effort at covering up my messiness and toxic shame. Figure out self-management and you can figure out the rest. I was fixated on outward issues like a budget, a schedule, a search for the perfect productivity hack. And I know I'm not alone in this. It's easy to get stuck searching for an answer outside yourself to become convinced that everything will get better if I can just, just follow the plan, stick to a schedule, just spend every second and dollar efficiently. The truth is, we're not always equipped with the right skills, mental space, or willpower for our financial efforts to be effective. 
Sometimes money isn't your problem. It's us. And we need to work on managing ourselves, our behaviors, and our mental health before our finances can improve. This piece comes to us from a website called Brave Saver. Paul, have you ever heard of Brave Saver? I haven't, but after I read that piece, I actually read a few other pieces on the same site. It's a very well-written site. I really like it. Yeah, I really liked it too. Len, are you familiar with it at all? No, I'm not. And I'm not going to ask, oh, gee's going to say, what's a blog post? So <laughs> we probably probably won't go there. Uh, thanks to Lacey, by the way, for reading this for us. You know, I want to jump into this idea about financial readiness, because I really think, Len, this is kind of what this piece is about, isn't it? It's about, hey, we might be trying to solve money problems, but solving our money problem might be solving the wrong problem. Yeah. You know, I guess I could, if I had to sum up this entire post, it's know thyself, I think, as Socrates famously said, because if you don't understand yourself and how you're going to go about tackling problems, and even if you're doing it the right way, you're going to end up running around like with your hair on fire and not know how to attack a problem. And I think this is what, uh, what's her name? Emily? Is it Emily? Uh, Alyssa. Alyssa, who, who authored this. I think that's what her issue was here when she was having troubles initially is she was just being overwhelmed with uh, debt and time issues. And I think she just went to attack the problem before even understanding herself and her I don't mean this in the bad way. Her, her, how certain shortcomings that were preventing her from yeah. effectively attacking the problem. And I don't mean that to sound bad at all. I, I just can't think of the right word. No, like just not uh, knowing what her blocks are before she goes on the attack. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, gee, you've got to see this all the time, too. People probably get really excited about a financial plan. They get excited about moving forward, whether it's solving debt or investing, whatever it is, and uh, attack it so hard and then fall off the wagon. This is an example of turning one problem into a lot of different problems. If you've identified what it is and you want to fix whatever is going on, that's perfectly fine. But don't take that that one thing that you're trying to work on and turn it into a whole bunch of other issues by neglecting all the area, other areas of your life, whether that's personal or financial or work or whatever it may be, because that's the downside is that if you get hyper-focused on one particular thing, you just took this one problem, let's say it's paying off your debt, and you turned it into three other problems. You know, you are neglecting your spouse or, you know, whatever other ancillary things come out of that. So that's why I think it's so important when you think about financial planning, understanding that it's not just one particular thing. It's all things are together. Everything's related. Yeah, I think about that, Paula. You know, a lot of people, they say when you want to reach a goal, put the blinders on. And to OG's point, sometimes you put the blinders on so effectively that you forget that you might even be looking at the wrong tree. Yeah, exactly. I think the point that the author makes is that over-focusing on tactics and over-focusing on external solutions in which you try to take a formula and apply it to your life, that doesn't always work. Because sometimes your financial problems, to at least to some extent, not entirely, but to a partial extent, are a physical manifestation or an outward manifestation of some struggles that you're having with internally. And so focusing on internal self-management has these like reverberations that affect every area of your life, like your physical health, your mental well-being, and your financial health. So how do we, how do we back off that? Paula, how do you know when you're fighting the wrong battle? I would say 
self-observation and, you know, if you notice yourself being really resistant to something or procrastinating something or dragging your heels on something, then that's a sign, right? Like sometimes you have to notice the actions that you're taking in order to understand how you feel about a thing. So you watch the way that you act and it's a clue about how you feel. And sometimes how you feel is different from how you think you feel. Do you find, OG, when you work on handling your own things, like she writes, sometimes the problem isn't our money, it's us. And we need to work on managing ourselves, our behaviors, and our mental health before our finances can improve. Do you think that if you spend more time working on yourself, your behavior, and your mental health, your finances just kind of come along with it? Or is that a separate journey? Well, based on what I said before, I think it's all intertwined. But but again, if you put too much emphasis on one thing then you're neglecting those other areas. In this example, talking about your behaviors, for instance, take something as simple as what you do every morning. I was talking to somebody the other day. They're visiting our home. And he says, by the way, there's breakfast. I don't know what you have for breakfast. The kids have cereal. You know, He says, no, I usually ate like a, a protein shake for breakfast. I went, oh, that's what I usually have for breakfast too. And then just kind of the next thing that came, I, I hadn't even said, that's what I have also. And and then he said, but that's just so that I can get the kids to school. I usually stop to make, stop at McDonald's after that. And I was just like, not taken aback by it because I, you know, everybody likes egg McMuffins. But more like, how is that? That is so ingrained into the behavior that if this were an issue financially that we we're trying to deal with, going out to eat, let's say, you might not even identify that that's a thing. You might not even notice that that's because it's so part of your behavior that you don't know that you're spending $7 every morning at breakfast at McDonald's. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't make it bad or good health wise. (laughs) We've all got our own opinions about that. I say good, by the way. (laughs) Um, But uh, you know, from a financial standpoint, think about behaviors. Some of them are so ingrained in the work that we do day to day that it's hard to, unless you really peel back layers to find out exactly what you are really doing. Len, it's funny. We all have to OG's point there. We all have these Achilles heels, right? have these things that we we don't even know that we do. Or if we do, we kind of turn a blind eye to them. Like, how do you make sure that you've covered up your Achilles heel? Or how do you, how do you monitor the areas of your life that you know might be difficult for you to pay attention to? Well, okay. So we're back to first off, knowing yourself and knowing what your problems are. Once you know what your problems are, your problem areas, then you can focus on them. And, and to go back to your point about how do you know if you're making gains on, on what you're trying to fix, it's just monitor your progress. I mean, look at your progress. Are you are you making improvements or have you been trying at something for a month or two and you're seeing no changes? If you're not seeing any changes, you're probably going about it the wrong way. As engineers, we have something called a fishbone diagram. When you do a failure analysis, first thing you do is you say, what are all the potential issues that could be potential problems that could be causing something to, to not work? And you can do that with yourself as well. Make a fish, you know, with just with the bones. And on each of those little bones, write things down about yourself that are your potential weaknesses. You know, uh, I'm not organized. I don't pay attention to details. I don't monitor my income. I don't monitor my outgo, blah, 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 blah. And then you can start attacking those one at a time until you get to where you're going. And hopefully you'll find the issue that's causing you to not excel in a particular area. Well, and and I love that, by the way. And I think of, I have a coach who has like a, a wheel and she has all the different parts of my life. And about once every six months, I rate myself on a scale of one to 10, like where I'm at on each parts of this wheel. And we don't always focus, by the way, on the worst one, right? We don't focus on the, on the downside. And that's actually my question though, Len, 
if you spend your all your time on your weaknesses, there's part of me that feels that you're going to be wasting a bunch of time instead of finding ways to, I don't know, maybe delegate those things. Like you said, you're not organized. So if you find somebody who'll clean up the messes behind you, but you're very good at something else, like hire away your weaknesses and focus on the thing you're awesome at. Like I find it hard deciding which way to go there. Well, you can hire. That's one way to do it. You can hire out areas where you have weaknesses. But let's talk about organization. Let's say financially you're financially not organized. Hey, get a spreadsheet. A spreadsheet is a terrific helper for organizing your finances and your income and your outgo. I mean, I know people that might not be thinking of that going, oh, my God, how do I even start to keep track of what's coming in and what's going on? Get that spreadsheet. Learn how to use it. It's not hard. And that tools like that can help you immensely. So you don't have to necessarily hire somebody yeah. else to do something. Right. Look for a tool that might be out there that can help you. Some automate finances, all kinds no, that's, of goodies like that. Well, that's a great thing because obviously there's people listening to this going, oh, Joe, that's an easy solution, right? I'll go hire somebody to take care of everything. But you're right. One thing that I often do is ask myself that question, can I automate this? And if I can automate it, then it goes away. You know, does my bank have an app? Does my, you know, is there some third party thing that I can do? Paul, how do you solve that conundrum? Focus on what you're phenomenal at versus focusing mm. on your weakness. Well, I want to make a distinction here between like verticals or areas of your life versus um, skill sets needed to manage that particular vertical. So when we talk about like, Joe, when you talked about the eight pie slices yeah. of your life, I mean, I would imagine, I would assume like a hypothetical way that that might break down is family life, health, yes. spiritual life, yes. work life, right? And so you want to make sure that you're paying attention to each of those distinct verticals of your life because each of them are important. And if you neglect your physical health or your spiritual health or any of those for too long, then then you'll feel the consequences. But inside of those, if there are particular skill sets or tactics that you're just not strong at, such as organization, then yes, there are alternative solutions. You don't have to improve organization. You can delegate that away. You can automate it. You know, there are various ways that you can compensate for your weaknesses. Oh, gee, I know you spend a lot of time on this, too, because you're a busy guy. You're a dad of three. You have your after school activity. You have a financial planning practice. You do this podcast. You're juggling all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. How do you juggle all these different things? I don't think that I do it well. I, I'm still trying to build systems around it. It's a never ending uphill battle because this is the definition of financial independence is trying to do only the things that you really want to do that hopefully your other things that you have other irons in the fire, so to speak, are, are producing enough income or revenue to be able to support those things. So, you know, I really like podcasting. I really like financial planning and I like hanging out with my family. The things I don't like to do are run payroll or find out why this thing isn't done right in, you know, just stuff that we have to do as business owners. And I think it's important to continuously try to refine that over and over again to get to the point where you're really doing those highest and best use activities, if possible. But there's a trade-off because those things don't come free. You know? yeah. yeah. I set out at the beginning of every week what like the three big rocks are that I want to move that week. You know, based Look on at my you long- all, Stephen Covey. <laughs> based on my long-term goal. And that seems to work most weeks. I want to ask- You are which- such a high quick start. All of that is bull****. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I set it up. If I don't have it in front of me, then I'm off to the races on the wrong thing. So I have to have it in front of me. 
In just a moment, we'll have everybody's uh, big takeaway from today's piece. But before we get to that, I want to dive in for just a second, especially for anyone who's an accredited investor who's using bonds or gold in your portfolio or maybe other types of real estate. If you haven't looked at farmland, I don't think you've explored the entire realm of options that are out there. And there's a compelling case for farmland in your portfolio. Farmland investments come with historically low volatility. Uh, There's almost zero correlation to the stock market and a hedge against inflation, making it an appealing, tangible asset for diversification. In fact, between the low volatility and the historically attractive returns, that gives you something that's performed a lot of other asset classes. That gives you something that's pretty unique. And the reason is, well, there's a few reasons. Number one is, and I had to get my head around this, you're not somebody who's a farmer when you invest in Acre Trader. You are a landlord. So as long as the farmer does well enough to pay the rent, you're going to be good because every year that rent check comes in. There's less farmland all the time, making it on the top side more attractive. But on the bottom side, that's why a lot of the volatility goes away because somebody always wants to snatch it up when Acre Trader is ready to sell. Best yet, Acre Trader has a highly qualified team that combines decades of experience in financial services and agriculture alongside billions of dollars in revenues and investments. In fact, they are based right outside the University of Arkansas and their amazing agricultural department. Who better to manage a fund based on farmland than uh, people that are right in America's breadbasket? For more information on how to become a farmland investor through AcreTrader, visit AcreTrader.com forward slash SB. That's AcreTrader.com forward slash SB. I like the end of this piece. I want to cut to the end of this because she talks about what good self-care looks like. And I know we all struggle with this. And I think it would be good for us to just kind of talk about what you struggle with. I'll tell you the one she points out that I struggle with. Giving myself permission to stop and take a break if I'm feeling maxed out. Nope. I think no way. I think I don't deserve a break. I got more to do. Nobody's going to pick it up if I don't. And I found, though, if I take that break, I'm way better off. But that's the thing that I struggle with nonstop. Len, what do you struggle with nonstop? You know, I'm kind of the same way, but I think my problem is I tend to take on more than I can chew only because I'm ambitious. I'll take a stretch goal, for example, and I will take it seriously. And I will, even if it's detrimental to me, before I find out that, hey, Len, you're, it's noble that you're trying for this stretch goal, but you better back off. I think that's my weakness sometimes. And, and then it hurts the rest of my my tasks for the week. So I guess I need to know, my problem is not knowing when sometimes to pull back myself. So Paula, what's yours when you look in the mirror? I would say follow through. I get very excited about new projects. And so the novelty of a new project gives me a lot of energy to kick it off. But once a few weeks or months have passed, the reality of nudging it forward email by email I often drop the ball there. So follow through is, and, and cousin to follow through is being more careful kind of to your point, Len, about what projects you start in the first place, um, evaluating a new idea through the lens of how am I going to feel about this 17 months from now? That's so hard. It is. It is so <laughs> difficult. All the low hanging fruit. Like, oh, I could just do that. Like, why did right. I, why did I promise that? 
OG, how about you? What's the question? What do you What do you struggle with? Paying <laughs> <laughs> attention, your honor. <laughs> I think multitasking. That, I think that think that answers it right there. We'll have a link to this on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. <laughs> Well, on today's Friday FinTech segment, if you've ever had a debt, you know how bad debt stinks. And if you know about my background, you know that at one point I had lots of debt. I also know that had I worked with some people that knew how the heck to get out of debt earlier, I would have been much better off. But I survived and you can survive too. And today we're going to talk about financial health with a FinTech company called Resolve. When I was first introduced to Resolve, I was very excited because, as you know, we have a partnership with GreenPath and absolutely love the work that they do helping people. And then I saw that Resolve has a network of companies that they recommend when you work with them. And I'm sure we'll talk about that that soon uh, here in just a minute. In the Resolve network, GreenPath is one of the companies that they trust. So you know how good people work together? Very happy today to be talking about Resolve when you can find them at helloresolve.com. Let's say hello to Michael Bovey from Resolve right now, coming down to the basement. And here he comes around the corner to the basement. It's our new friend, Michael Bovey. How are you, man? Good, Joe. How's it going? It's going fantastic. In your LinkedIn profile, when they talk about your company, it says that you started geeking out, something like you started geeking out over debt in the early days. Does that mean that you loaded up on debt, you had lots of it, and uh, learned a hard lesson, or does it mean that you became an evangelist early in your life? It's more along the evangelical lines. It's, yeah, geeking out on debt, it's it's a real issue. I, I need to get help. I, I'll get around to it. <laughs> I found out that there were rules and laws that prevent debt collectors from behaving badly. And that was my first foray into the debt world because somebody had been cussed out by a debt collector, a friend of mine. And I was like, that can't happen. So I I, I looked it up and sure enough, there's a law that prevents that from happening. And I started digging deeper and helped him solve his problem for, you know, just I like solving puzzles, too. So that geeky wonkishness on debt combined with somebody who wants to solve puzzles I, I started doing this full time in 98 and I haven't looked back since and I haven't worked a day in my life since. And every debt puzzle, to your point, I believe is a different puzzle. I mean, they're way different. Like people that have never had serious debt don't know how many different iterations there are of debt and debt issues. You can struggle just with your mortgage and know the pain of that. You can struggle because you're worried because you're behind on a car payment and you're worried about the repossession guy. That's a real thing. You can struggle with credit card debt to the point where it suffocates you for years and you're only paying interest and you're just treading water. And a lot of the time I find that it's the payday loans and the credit card debts that are the most suffocating for people. They're the ones that get out of hand and they're the hardest ones to solve and solve well. Well, and it's sad because I think if you're somebody that turns to payday lenders, we've seen some research on this, and I'm sure you have too, Michael, that it was kind of the banking industry that sent them there, right? Like people aren't unbanked because they don't know better. They're unbanked because the banking system has been so onerous 
And it's been so much, you know, we're getting ready for another Star Wars movie. Been so much like the evil empire that people don't want anything to do with it. And what's bad is they trade that for something that's even worse. Yep. You leave a market open for people because you can't serve them or refuse to serve them and build a, a structured product for them. You do feed them to the wolves in a way. Yeah. 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 So is that how Resolve was born? Tell me about how the genesis then of the company. So like I said, I geek out on debt and I'm on the side of the road doing my geeky thing and I'm helping one person at a time and, you know, talking to them and barely using technology, scratching out notes and everything. And there I am doing my gig and up to my booth comes this guy, Alex Meridian. I mean, I, I'm being a little bit sure here, but it, right. it's, it's, he found my YouTube videos, right? I produce DIY material. I've got over a hundred videos on YouTube about how to resolve debt problems doing it yourself, right? You don't need anybody. You can do this. Alex came across those videos coming up on three years ago and he reached out to me and we had a very open conversation. I, I take most people's calls. I always have. I'm a little bit of an odd duck in my industry because debt relief services are um, in a lot of ways, historically and even still today, it's kind of a money grab. I mean, let me see how I can make money off somebody who's struggling with money to begin with. And I, I don't care for that. And so that was different to him. And he asked me questions about that. So he is a super smart fintech startup guy. And all of this financial awareness coupled with all of the technology capability. And I'm just a debt geek. And the two things combined to bring us where we are today. I love that. He's taking your grassroots message and shouting it to the masses. Yep. So instead of working one one thing at a time with an abacus and my notepad, <laughs> uh, you know, he's he's taking this to millions of people. So. If we can find somebody like that here in the basement to do with this podcast, both our listeners would absolutely love it. They think you it's really fantastic. need an abacus on your desk. We totally do. I know what you're getting for Christmas. <laughs> so that's how it started. Let's talk about exactly what you guys do, because we've kind of walked around that a little bit. Obviously, you help people with debt. But if I go to helloresolve.com, or is that the best way to reach you? What do I get when I go there? Sure. So you go to helloresolve.com. The website is a set of tools, education, information designed to inform and educate people at no cost. We built a technology platform that does some of the things that I've done throughout my career, which is take people through kind of a decision tree, a waterfall process based on the inputs that they put in there, right? So we can do a soft pull, doesn't hurt your credit, you know, pull in your credit report and you can answer questions about your near and midterm goals, things that are you're trying to accomplish, whether that's home ownership or what have you, whether it's all dead and I'm struggling, I need an answer, I need intervention. And we can actually in an unbiased way on that platform and for free, help deliver what's workable given the math that you're sharing with us. So it's a very math driven algorithm based on its information and knowledge about all of the debt relief verticals, all of the mainstream things you can do to get out of debt. And then it, it helps you make an informed decision. It presents you with workable options that mathematically you can succeed with and then helps you make a decision based on that information that is going to help you reach those goals we asked you about in the beginning. So it's a super, super slick tool. Well, when I, when I was introducing you and you were upstairs talking to mom, I was telling our audience about how when I struggle with debt, I, I didn't know where to turn. Like I had nowhere. To, so I spent a good amount of time spinning my wheels. And it seems like with a mathematical approach, you can kind of cut to the chase and go to the stuff that's already proven that it's worked for other people. You bet. So 
the tendency is to be very emotional about debt because it's the baggage. It's not like an overnight thing unless it's a medical thing, something overnight, job loss. Those are overnight issues that create a debt problem. A lot of us carry debt for months and months and years and years, and it's not something that we created overnight. So you're probably not going to be able to put it to bed overnight. But with that carrot, that baggage that we carry around, you're also having some emotions all around that, right? And so I bring up the word bankruptcy because I can see mathematically that's the right thing for somebody to do. And I've been hung up on. Yeah. That's how adamantly opposed somebody is, is like, do you say the word bankruptcy? It's a cuss word. So the using math and taking all of the emotion and all the baggage and putting it aside and just focusing on the math has helped me help people and accurately help people on decision-making on what's next. Just using math alone it points to the right answer more than 90% of the time. The rest of it, yes, we have to talk about. We have to talk about the fact that, wait, you're in debt, you're gonna make a debt relief decision, but you have a junior in high school who's gonna be going to college and you wanna be able to do a parental plus loan, we need to pull you off of the bankruptcy path. So there's, there's just things about goals, your life decisions that are gonna enter into that equation too. Yeah, and as we mentioned earlier, that's gonna be different for everybody. When I was at the website, at Hello Resolve, you know, you mentioned bankruptcy, but sometimes, and I would guess a lot of the time, you don't need bankruptcy. Sometimes you do, but sometimes you just need debt relief experts. And I noticed that you guys have a network of debt relief experts you work with. I looked in there. One company that we've done things with locally here is called Greenpath. I noticed they're one of your companies in your network. Tell me about how, how do people get there and how does that handoff work? If I need more help, why would I not just stop with you? Why would I then be handed off to a place like Greenpath? You bet. So that's the intervention thing I mentioned, right? So getting information, making informed decisions that are right for you is one thing. Now you might need a partner in your efforts to implement your debt relief journey. And for somebody who actually can afford their bills to a degree, right? They hit the debt wall, they're running out of money before they run out of month. But if some of their unsecured creditors, like their credit card banks, were to reduce their interest rate to an average of 6% nationally, which is what Greenpath can help them do, then they're in a position where suddenly their 20-something percent interest is killing them if they were to bring that monthly payment down for their unsecured debt enrolled in a debt management plan through a national nonprofit credit counseling agency, Greenpath again, then now they can embark on a path that doesn't hurt their credit, that is now their monthly credit card bills are affordable, and they're in on, they're out of debt in five years or less because those programs can't run longer, uh, at least currently. So the Green Path is a good example of one of the ethical partners in our network and that are affordable that can help somebody down that path. And we've got others. Well, and this is a big thing that I think a lot of people may not know. You referenced it a little bit earlier, Michael, but this is an area where there's so many people that prey on people. And uh, you, as an evangelist, then have kind of curated who are the ethical players and who's not as well. Yep. So there's that. There's debt settlement. There's bankruptcy. There's people that just, I mean, debt, debt collectors behave badly, believe it or not. They actually break rules. I told you that was my first impression of anything debt related. The first thing I geeked out on was a debt collector cussing somebody out over the phone. And sometimes people just need help holding somebody to account for bad acts and practices, you know. So, we're a kind of a mash of man and machine, right? So we're a technology company and a technology platform. 
and we are full of caring humans. So it's those two things that come together to offer those solutions. So then that brings up the question, if a lot of the time you're handing these off to other professionals, how do you guys then make money? Sure. So we're the technology behind the use of getting somebody from point A to point B in debt, struggling on the other side of their debt and happy and moving on with their goals. Uh, those partners are actually using our technology. And so we, we charge for that. They get paid and they pay us for the technology. Got it. So a company like GreenPath then pays you. So there's marketing agreements that we have with yeah. different agencies. There's service arrangements for use of the technology. Yeah. But if I go to Hello Resolve because I have a debt issue, do I pay you as well? You don't pay Resolve. You pay anybody. If And so back to the intervention. Yeah. Somebody has to step in and provide a professional service gotcha. or a management plan or you know something like that. So they are going to pay their service provider, but we are making money from the technology that undergirds that, that whole effort. That's fantastic. Now, I know you guys aren't resting. The company's three years old, which means you're in probably massive growth phase, I would think. You know nobody listens to the show, Michael, so you can share with us stuff that you wouldn't share with anybody else. What's coming up? What are you guys working on that maybe you're not doing now? Sure. Um, so yeah, right now, we have tremendous growth trajectory. We're helping thousands of people every week. Uh, we want to help more. And so we're constantly, we're a team of 15 people right now, most of it technology oriented. And we're continuously iterating on systems that are designed to make this easier, faster, better for people that need the help. And then long term, we're basically, we're always looking at anything in a person's financial life that we can improve upon. And so we do have plans. We have plans for growth and other things that we can do to make a meaningful impact. And again, a very fair combining technology and caring humans for virtually all aspects of an individual's financial life. That's sounds, super exciting. I was going to say, it sounds super exciting. Sounds like you got nothing going on. I feel bad for you. Right? <laughs> uh, and by the way, if you're walking the dog or you're on your commute, we've got you covered. We'll have a link to Resolve and the website is helloresolve.com on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Michael, thanks a lot for hanging out with us for a few minutes talking about Resolve. I appreciate it. Loved it. Thank you. Hey there, stackers. Hey, did I mention if I was vegan or not? Well, yeah, in case I didn't, let's just get this out of the way right now. I'm totally vegan. You know how you can tell? I haven't had a steak in over two hours. Totally vegan. I'm not shaking at all, even as Joe's mom just put some almighty tasty meatloaf in the oven. That's looking good. I'm not shaking the same way Len doesn't shake in that dream he has where he's face-to-face with Noam Chomsky playing backgammon or, or, or the way Paula doesn't flinch when someone says they're wondering how to spend 14 hours trying to make their own Gatorade to save $1.37 or the way OG doesn't go into convulsions when you say the words Immelman turn. Not shaking at all. Not shaking. But Just in case you were wondering, here's today's purely random trivia question I just thought of. What percentage of vegans go back to eating meat? I'll be back with your answer right after I uh, go take a peek in the fridge. You know, uh, for some sprouts. Yeah, you can tell he's two hours, Paula. That's a long time. Wow, that is a heck of a question. Well, and we have, by the way... An update for Len, who hasn't been here in a couple weeks. Paula's moved up to Ty. Now Len has 10, 
Paula has 10 and OG who led the whole first third of the year has nine. It's okay. <laughs> I'm just slow playing it. Don't worry about it. As me. we go into hey, the, we're f- in the home stretch here, man. Uh, this yeah, is getting serious. I think so. I think I got to, I think I got to up my game a little bit. Super. Ex- Maybe he held back because he knows the rules and the rules are everybody. We play this price is right style where, uh, we let the person who's in last place decide, Oh gee, do you want to guess first in the middle or last? Last today. That is strange. And uh, Paula, you just moved up to the tie. So would you like to go in the middle or first? I'll go in the middle. And so, Len, that means you're kicking this off. And when I say Price is Right style, it's the closest without going over, uh, which I've gotten uh, several emails about. About there are some people that do not like this design. Which I, I don't like it. Since we're talking prices, right? I just got to share this real quick and de- derail the show just a, a bit here, Joe. This show never gets more. derailed. I, I, I watched over the weekend an awesome documentary called Perfect Bid about very interesting. There's this guy who bid the showcase showdown in the prices right to the dollar perfectly. It's like $27,437. But there's more, there's such a backstory to this. There is a guy in there who totally – he knew all the prices to everything, every prize that they gave out on Prices Right. And he goes into all of how he figured it out. It was a real scandal actually. It's on Netflix. Everybody should watch it. It's called Perfect Bid. But is it cheating it's or really memorizing? Cool. Is it cheating or memorizing? That's for you to decide. This guy had a giant spreadsheet. He recorded every price of everything that was ever on Prices Right. I mean even down to cars with all of the different options packages i mean and he had a memorized there was like he had 1750 different price things and he had them all memorized he could tell you to the dollar i think if you memorize though show they show clips of the show where the guy was the guy was on the show 19 times he only got called up twice amazing this guy was amazing that's 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 pretty incredible what's that called the perfect 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 bid bid. awesome and and what's it on netflix Netflix. Yeah. Really cool. That, that, if that, you're a Price is Right fan. That is cool. The price Our, is wrong. <laughs> okay. So where are we at Paula here? Paula has no uh, idea what that reference is to. It's a movie. <laughs> oh, that's Happy a line Gilmore. from a movie. Yeah. There, oh. there it is. She's like, of course. Which, uh, which movie? Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. Cool. It's a movie with Obviously. a guy named Adam Sandler. Yes. <laughs> uh, and he is a golfer in that movie. Right. See? Nice job. Yeah, nice work. Cover. Very good, Paula. That is fantastic. What do you do on airplanes if you don't watch movies? Oh, I, I do watch movies on airplanes. That's the one time I watch movies is on airplanes. Yeah, I feel like you should be a little more caught up. <laughs> well, Happy Gilmore came out, what, 20 years ago? I wasn't really flying around a whole hey lot now. then. Hey, now. <laughs> hey, now. Easy. She just played the old guy card on you, I think. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. All right, Len. Enough. That's enough. A smooth way to doing it. Enough letting them stall on your behalf. What percentage of vegans go back to eating meat? Wow, vegans, not vegetarians. Right? Is, yes. is this true? It, this is vegans. Okay, so vegans, vegans do not eat, boy, almost nothing that comes from an animal. Right? Even eggs. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. Well, let me see. My sister was a vegetarian for about 30 years, and she just finally uh, went back. Her And her family was raised vegetarian. She just pulled into BK one day? She, You know what? She started. <laughs> I heard she, this In-N-Out thing's pretty good. I'm going to try it. You know what? They would still go to In-N-Out. They would just get 
the yeah. in and out honestly it's kind of weird you know they didn't get the beef, a, le- a lettuce tomato sandwich they'd get a double double without the beef <laughs> yes <laughs> Like with onion it, with onion yes with onion but but she slowly fell off the wax started with turkey and then she got to, then she just went to uh ham and then she then she got to she just said i heck with it and bacon and beef and now she's <laughs> completely gone but she was off for 30 years i think it's higher than most people think my brother-in-law her husband, he was a vegan. He went vegetarian, then he went vegan, then he went back to vegetarian. Now he's off the wagon too. So, so hundred percent, basically. Is what you're <laughs> so saying. I'm gonna say I want to say hundred percent, but but that probably that's impossible. So I'm gonna say forty one percent. Forty one percent. Forty. All right. Goes from a hundred to forty one. In- <laughs> <laughs> I love the thought process that goes into this. <laughs> All that for 41. Uh, Paula, what do you think? You know, I'm going to guess that vegans might, if if they were to leave veganism, I would guess that it's more likely that they would transition from vegan to vegetarian rather than from vegan to meat eater. That, that seems like a heck of a jump. Despite the story I just told you about my brother-in-law? Despite the one anecdotal case study. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I still think that it's more likely that a vegan might reintroduce eggs or dairy or honey into their diet than they would start introducing like ground beef from Taco Bell. So not beef, but okay. That's true. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you can eat Taco Meat Bell and completely be a vegan. Vegan yeah, vegans can go to Taco <laughs> Bell and <laughs> <laughs> You'd be about 40% vegan. <laughs> <laughs> Only I slightly meat. It's like a little asterisk. <laughs> Only slightly meat. I'm going to guess 17%. 17. And she also makes that a wide gulf for OG. So is it uh, a quarter or is it a half? That's kind of where I'm at. Is it a quarter or a half? I have no anecdotal references to this at all. They're um, all they're all meat eaters in the. OG I'm just family. going with. <laughs> I'm just going to go with willpower. It's very difficult to do any one thing for a long period of time, regardless of what it is. Right? I mean, you think about like people who choose not to drink anymore, for example, or. I don't smoke anymore. Like, what's the recidivism rate? Not that, not that going from recidivism. veganism <laughs> to eating meat is recidivism. But anyway, so you've lost the vegan crowd. You've lost the Taco Bell uh, execs. I said recidivism. That's pretty you sure good. Did. That's a good one. Only because I err on the side of numbers, I got to go 43%. It's Damn just, you. More, you know, it, it gives me, you know, whatever 100 minus 43 is. I had too much non-vegan stuff today, so like my brain doesn't work. And mm-hmm. uh, anyways, so I'm going to say 43. Gee, thanks for giving me the extra percent. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that means I should have guessed What'd one. Say, four, <laughs> you would have given me a wider goal. Did you say 41 or 42? Too late. You said 43. I get 42%. Yeah, I thought you said 42. All right. I said 41. If so, help me God. I will never. <laughs> awesome. Well, and uh, we're going to see exactly what it is after this exciting word from our sponsor. 
It's funny when I talk to OG to people that don't know much about podcasting. Of course, who really does, right? I mean, even before I was a podcaster, I would hear podcasts I listened to them talk about how long it took to put a show together. And I, I thought, why, why the heck would you go through that? Like, why would you do all of that work just for an hour of Joe's entertainment while I'm out and running? Well, I think it's because you love it. And what's funny is when you think about any job, whether it's podcasting or whatever, managing inventory, covering payroll and doing a hundred other things before lunch, you know, that's just an average day when you own a small business. There are a lot of things, by the way, that don't have anything to do with that end product. Well, they have a lot to do with it, but you know what I'm saying. Your time is super valuable. My whole goal is just to get to the microphone. One thing you don't want to take forever is getting the money you need. That's why Cabbage created a simple, modern way for businesses to access up to $250,000 of credit. Their application process is online, takes just minutes to complete, and bam, you've got your decision. If your business qualifies, you can access the amount you need right away and withdraw more funds whenever you need extra capital. Cabbage has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and they provided over 185,000 small businesses with access to funding. We've done the math a few times on expanding this operation, redoing this part of the basement, going on the attack with an actual marketing campaign for the show. Eight years doing this, never had a marketing campaign. I see Dave Ramsey signs all over the place. Stacky Benjamins never had a marketing campaign. Maybe that's one of 50,000 reasons why we have a much smaller footprint than Dave does. Obviously, we haven't been around nearly as long. Get the money you need to run your small business today. Go to cabbage.com and use the code SB to get $100 off your first loan statement. That's K-A-B-B-A-G-E.com. Offer ends November 30th of this year, 2019. Must take a minimum $5,000 loan to qualify. Credit line subject to review and change. Individual request for capital or separate installment loans issued by Celtic Bank, member FDIC. Welcome back to everyone except the meat eaters. Whoo, the smell of Joe's mom's meatloaf. Hey, is anyone else sweltering in here or is that just me? What is it, like 80 degrees in here or something? Holy cow. All right, okay, all right, focus, Doug, focus. That's right. Who has two thumbs and is the king of vegan trivia? This guy. So let's get it together and restart. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and you're listening to my amazing trivia. Before the break, I asked you this question. What's the percentage of vegans who go back to eating meat? The answer? It's a shameful 84%. 84%. I guess some people don't have the same gusto that I do. Wait, is that the oven timer going off? Oh, I got to go see if Joe's mom needs any help carving up that disgusting, totally disgusting meatloaf. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want anything to do with that meatloaf, but you know, she needs help. I'm a giver. Maybe I can volunteer to taste it so she doesn't accidentally give some of the other vegans uh, who have far less willpower than me some of that amazing meatloaf. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Oh, I wonder if those are allowed. Why? Gosh. Wow. Recidivism. Wow. <laughs> wow. 
and OG makes it a three-way tie going into the last two months of the season. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Although, I, you know what? I think recidivism is a good word because, you know, veganism, I mean, that is punitive eating. I mean, you, you can't. I mean, that's terrible. Send your hate mail to Len <laughs> at LenPenzo.com. How bad was, uh, you have to hate yourself to be a vegan? I, mean, I was, uh, <laughs> wow, wow. Oh, I didn't even go that far. Jeez, Louise. And this guy lives in L.A. <laughs> I know, yeah. that's right. He fits in really well. That we're vegans. <laughs> I actually liked Paula's idea that it was probably more likely that they would go to vegetarian to kind of take the gas off a little bit, but I thought for sure it was going to be that, not eight out of ten. Good night. Yeah. Wow. You guys hear uh, Jim Gaffigan talk about being a vegetarian? Not a vegan, but just a vegetarian? Mm-mm. No. What'd he say? I imagine it's great. I'm a vegetarian now. Anyone a vegetarian? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I'm not a strict vegetarian. I eat beef and pork. <laughs> and chicken, but not fish, because that's disgusting. So whenever anybody says to me, they're like, I'm a vegetarian. I'm like, oh, so am I. I don't eat fish, because it's disgusting. That's great. All right. Hey, let's take out the magnifying glass, guys, and help somebody do better with their money. Today's hotline call comes to you courtesy of magnifymoney.com, because when you head over to stackybenjamins.com forward slash money, you know what you find, Len? Uh, no. He sits through this every stinking week and still has no idea. Those financial products he used every day, they're nowhere near best in class. Over 92% of the products available online all ranked at Magnify Money. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money for more. And uh, today, you know what we did just to mix it up? We asked people in our Facebook group, The Basement, for uh, questions that they might have for you guys. And we actually had a fantastic one here from Heather. Heather asked this. If you know you're going to be needing to sell a home and buy a new one in the next five to 10 years, how would you then prioritize saving? One spouse has a workplace retirement plan and gets a match. That one's at 12%. They're maxing out their family HSA. The other is self-employed, uses a self-employed retirement plan. Would it make sense to still contribute some, but minimal, and really try to beef up a real estate transaction savings account? Len, what do you think? Do they change... <laughs> I knew you were going to be first. I'm trying to write all this stuff down. Let, let, let's go over this again slowly. Yes. So, so they the have old man. They, they have two retirement funds. One gets yeah. a match and it's through uh, his work. Also maxes out their health savings account. She is self-employed and uses a SEP. Okay. Would it make sense to still contribute some, but slow that down and try to beef up a real estate transaction savings account? And they know they're going to buy within the next 10 years? They, she says five to 10 years. Um, aren't you allowed to withdraw from your savings, your, your retirement savings account for a home down payment? For a house you you're going to live in, correct, OG? What's the question? <laughs> <laughs> aren't you allowed to withdraw? I don't know. Withdraw I don't once. That's why once. $10,000 once. That's it? $10,000? Well, we all don't live in mansions like you, so <laughs> a lot of people that would be an adequate downstroke for a house. You think so? Okay. Well, mansions, you know, I, mansions with big fences to protect him from all the vegans. Exactly. We're coming after him. 
Ay, ay, ay. You know, I don't know. See, I'm here in Southern California where I don't, that wouldn't ten thousand dollars wouldn't even pay down a you know right a, your congressman of yeah a, a significant portion of your home loan probably. So uh, I don't know, Joe. I I would. Jeez, uh, I I think if you knew you were going to buy, I guess it depends where you live and uh, I, I, I shoot. I would say, uh, sure. Take a no. Keep putting in the retirement accounts. That's what I would say. <laughs> Final answer. <laughs> you are the weakest link. Bye. <laughs> With that conviction, should be a be a. You should charge for that. Oh my God! I didn't know this was going to be a, a. You know, there was going to be a final exam at the end of this podcast, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Paula. Lynn's answer is basically, hell, I don't care. <laughs> do whatever you want. <laughs> Not my money. <laughs> uh, Paula, what are you thinking? Well, I think it depends on how much equity you think you'll get from the sale of your home. So she says she's going to sell her current home and then buy another one. After adjusting for transaction costs, so the commission that you will pay to a real estate agent, closing costs on the home sale, the cost of perhaps staging the home, the cost of moving, the cost of, you know, doing some repairs to get it sale ready. So once you adjust for all of those costs, how much total equity do you think that you will get from the sale of your home? And how far will that go towards you purchasing your next home? Once we know those numbers, then we know whether or not there is a remaining gap to fill. And if so, approximately how big it's going to be. Yeah, see, I didn't even know that. I, I must have missed that part about her selling her home, an existing home. So to me, that's almost shoot. I'm sure you'll have some equity. If you're going to have some equity, keep putting in your retirement account. Why do you look at that versus having a mortgage better for people that uh, don't? I mean, we've talked about this before, Len, but explain to people who might be new to the show. What, paying off your house instead of having a mortgage? Yeah. Why keep putting money in the retirement instead of lowering the amount you'll have on your mortgage? Oh, because once you start paying down your mortgage, you're locking up that money. It's going to the bank and it's gone. So it's better that you keep the money. You keep yourself in control of your own money for as long as you can. Once you pay the bank extra money or or trying to pay down that house faster, that money has gone and you've lost control of it, basically. So I I prefer to keep keep money in my own control as long as possible. Yeah, a lot of people don't get that, OG, and that that if you owe $1 – to the bank and you default on your mortgage, they don't take just one 300,000th of your $300,000 house. (laughs) They still take the entire house, even if you just owe a dollar. Yeah. So I'm kind of with Len on this one. I would continue paying the uh, retirement plan, especially if the timeframe on this is five years. I mean, there's so much that's going to go on in the next five years. I mean, most people don't know what they're doing the next five days. You know, you don't have any idea what your career is going to look like or where you're going to be, family situation, health situation, any of that stuff. But you do know that at some point in time, you're probably going to want to retire. So that plus, like Paula said, you've got that proceeds from the house sale already, whatever that might look like. That's another option. And then I think the third thing is there's a strong likelihood that over the next five to 10 years, your income is going to increase just by normal inflationary pay raises, God forbid you do anything to actually earn a pay raise or a bonus or a promotion. So, you know, those things will happen too. So stay on track with your retirement plan and then use extra money that you earn from now on to supplement the, the house down payment goal, you know, the house upgrade goal or whatever you want to call it. So stay on track with that. And then 
use extra money for it is what I would say. You said that most people don't know what they're doing in the next five years. 84% of vegans now know what they're probably doing in the next five years. That's right. <laughs> they're firing up Having that barbecue. Steak sandwich <laughs> right. from Tony's. Delicious. <laughs> it's not real steak, but it I shouldn't have gone back works. there. I shouldn't have gone back to that well. The hate mail is coming. I can hear it already. Somebody's on their computer right now writing us a note. But there's also a few other things we don't know. Like, I don't know if she's ahead or behind on her retirement goal. If she's ahead on her That's retirement right. goal, maybe I can then get conservative and go ahead and lock that money up on the house, Len. You know, if I'm way ahead there, why? What, well, what? I don't I don't know about that, Josie. You might be ahead now, but what if the market takes a turn the other direction, right? Then you're all of a sudden you're not ahead anymore. So that's, you know, to me, when it comes to retirement savings, it's like there's no you're never ahead. You're never until until you get to the finish line. You are you are to me. I'm just, you know, going all out. So, well, and that also brings up the other point, Paula, that you kind of referenced, which is we don't know if she's swimming upstream with her house or downstream, because if she's downsizing the house, then she probably is going to have a lot of equity. If she's upsizing, I mean, the mortgage might end up being a monthly number that she can't hit. Like we don't have enough information, I don't feel. Right, exactly. We also don't know where in her amortization schedule she is with her current home. Yeah. So how much equity does she have in her current home? That's going to be a function of how big of a down payment did she put down initially? Is she currently on a 15-year or 30-year mortgage? How far into that mortgage is she? Like All of those are going to play a factor in how much equity she has in her current home. And that amount of equity, which she'll free up when she sells that home, will be some percentage of a down payment on the next home. But how much of the down payment it's going to represent depends, of course, on the cost of the next homes. And and we don't know, like you said, Joe, is she going to upgrade? Is she going to downgrade? Is she going to make a lateral move? Um, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? I like your answers, guys, because I think it. I think that's better than a straightforward answer. It kind of shows people all the things to think about, which I think is really the important part of the answer anyway. Thanks. Thank you for your approval. We yeah. really appreciate it. <laughs> it that's, means a lot to us. That's... <laughs> That's why you so show much. up here, isn't it? For my stamp on the forehead. Just stamp of approval. That's yes, right. there it is. Thanks for the question, Heather. You got a question for us? Head to the Magnify Money Line, stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. That's going to do it for today, guys. Len, uh, what, is, what is going on at lenpenza.com? You traumatized me on that, last, on that last question. I'm still shaking. I felt like I just took a major final exam on You're that You're exhausted one. So now, aren't you? Exhausted. I am totally exhausted. He's like, now I got to tell you what I'm doing at my website? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what am I doing? Uh, let's see. Uh, well, it's November. So, you know what? This is about the time of year when I, I like to go over Dave Ramsey's baby steps. He's got six or seven of those things, and and some of them I like, and some of them I don't like, and so I uh, I take my shot at uh, critiquing Mr. Ramsey's uh, great world famous baby steps. Vegans and Ramsey friends, <laughs> <laughs> Len, you have a specific time of year for that. You said this is about the time of year that you do that. It's November. It's Bash Dave Ramsey month. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So, man. <laughs> I know, speaking of Dave Ramsey, uh, Chris Hogan, one of the Dave Ramsey personalities and a super nice guy, he has this great quote that says something like, if you're not pissing people off with your advice, you're not trying hard enough. Like, like that's his advice for influencers, for people that are giving financial, like figure out who's with you and who's not. 
<laughs> Mission accomplished for Len. He, he, he nailed that one. OG that's one show I'll never be on. <laughs> OG, what do you what do you got going on this weekend besides stealing the kids' uh, Halloween candy? Oh well, it's toward the end of after school activity time, but uh, still a little bit to go. So wrapping that up, and then yeah, mainly the candy thing. Actually, that's good. That's getting your sugar my on. In- in laws are in town. Turns out they're going to leave, which is also fun. But then they come back almost immediately after they get home. I'm, I'm kind of perplexed by this whole strategy, but uh, I guess that's how it's going to work. I was not invited to make a decision or an opinion on the matter. I can't tell if you like that or don't like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All the above. Well, Let's good. See. All the above. Good. Good luck with that. Paula, how yes. about. The incredible, award-winning Afford Anything podcast. On the award-winning Afford Anything podcast, which has won two awards, it's won Best Investing Podcast and Podcast of the Year. Uh, We have a guy by the name of... Oh, thank you. And there is this guy named Joe Saul Sihai who comes on about one out of every four episodes to uh, put forth some wacky ideas and answer a bunch of questions that come in from our listeners from the Afford Anything community. So if you want more Joe, tune into the Afford Anything podcast. I try to stir the pot over there as much as possible. And you do. And that is, my work here is done. Right. (laughs) All right. That's going to do it for today, everybody. Thanks a ton. Thanks to Lacey Langford. Well, you know what? Doug's about to thank everybody. Doug, what should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, Take a lesson from our headline reading. Making steps to secure your financial future is important, but taking ownership of your personal well-being should be your priority. Second, take some advice from Michael at Resolve. Struggling with your debts? Let's get a plan and maybe a qualified coach in your corner who knows the way and can shine a light on the best path out. But the big lesson? Don't stop eating meat without knowing all the facts. All of the sweating, the nervousness, the irritability I was experiencing disappeared after I kept everyone back from that meatloaf and I just went ahead and ate it myself. I feel much better. It's for my health, people. I'm just looking out for me. And it's probably nap time. Anyone else feeling sleepy? Special thanks to Michael from Resolve. You can find more from the company at helloresolve.com or you know where through our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Paula Pant appears courtesy of affordanything.com and the Afford Anything podcast. Len Penzo appears courtesy of lenpenzo.com and theangelofdarkness.com. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm a lot deeper than you realize. In fact, sometimes I just stand in front of my mirror and reflect. SB Podcast may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor.
What was that? It's called the medium sketch. The medium sketch? Yeah, it wasn't rare, and it certainly wasn't well done. <laughs> I love this time of year because I love Halloween costumes. I just think that some of the some of the hilarious Halloween costumes are are just awesome. I think a lot of us in the community saw Amanda Holden's costume where she dressed up as Susie Orman. You guys see that one? I missed no, that one. Missed oh, follow Dumpster Doggy on and by the way, award winning her social media won the Plutus Award and well worth it this year because she's. Uh, She's a lot of fun to follow, but she looks exactly like Susie Orman, if Susie Orman had a nose ring. so. <laughs> but I also saw one. This guy was just, he was in a Jack Daniels t-shirt. She was in a Coca-Cola t-shirt. Aww, Aww. that's cute. I'd never seen that before. I thought that was pretty cool. Creativity in costumes, Paula? Ooh, um, actually one time... Back in my 20s, when I was working at a newspaper, I wore a Halloween costume in which I just wore my newspaper. I wore it as an outfit. So I basically took my newspaper and pinned it to like an outfit. And then I was just the paper. I was the local newspaper. It's like living your living the job. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so that was that was my favorite costume that I wore and the most creative one that I've ever created. Len, how about you? Uh, you know what? I've. I've had a lot of uh, interesting ones over the year. Uh, me and the honeybee, we did a, I was a, a priest and she was the devil. But I think the, the, the most creative one we did, this was a four, we did, we had four of us and we were the fruit of the loom fruits. <laughs> so, so, you know, you had the, the green grapes, the purple grapes, the, there's leaves. I don't know what the hell those leaves were in the apple. And we all hung around. It was awesome, man. That was that, that was really cool. We were the, we were the head of the party for that one. That's the, pictures of us. That is as, a, as the fruit of the loom gang. That's super. I love that. OG, what is your family dress as? So largely this year was dependent on my daughter. She's three. So she uh, went as Jasmine from Aladdin, and my wife was the genie. And so, what do you think I went as? Obviously. You went as Jafar. Jafar. That's a good Kurt. guess. Good yeah. guess, Paula. Yeah. Thank you. Patience, Iago. <laughs> Patience. I figured he'd be the villain. I, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, that's kind of mean, man. I, well, I, I, have that. I mean, because it's your alter ego, because yes. it's different from how you are the other 364. Uh, nice. Oh, I see. Okay. Good recovery. Look at her work it. <laughs> well, I got I got something was to work on for the next year, I guess. I was going to say the opposite, which is that that's not nearly mean enough. Jafar's not mean enough to be you. Oh, he's not mean enough? No. You should see. Uh, I'll send you guys some pictures of this stuff because it was pretty good. That's that's awesome. Mrs. OG put in a lot of effort to make sure this looked good. So, well, obviously, because we know you did not. Use. I put zero effort in. 
<laughs> you you so. would have gone as middle aged white guy. <laughs> Ripped middle aged white guy. Oh yeah. yeah, of course, of course. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate take a look at all the military appreciation month offers and their usual offers navy federal our members are the mission navy federal is insured by ncua equal housing lender